0: Shareable is the podcast fueled entirely by curiosity. Every episode features exciting guests who share valuable advice and insights, how-to guides, and practical takeaways. Join me as I explore the awe-inspiring stories about overcoming the odds, the secret formulas that gave each guest their unique superpower, and the moments that remind us of our shared humanity. Get ready to be excited, delighted, and possibly even astonished, because this podcast is Shareable. Remember, if you like this episode, think about who else you know who would like it, and share it. It might even start the conversation that changes the course of your life. Today on Shareable, Sashka Avanyan is a social entrepreneur and filmmaker. She co-founded Creopia, a social business for creating visuals for good with social entrepreneurs while connecting the arts and creativity with social change. Her background includes the study of philosophy at the University of McGill, where she simultaneously started her career as a videographer and video editor. She was born in Houston, but raised in Moscow until the age of 14, at which point she moved to Canada for seven years, and then in May of 2018, moved to Armenia after being a volunteer. Now, she's worked with brands including the Halo Trust, Birthright Armenia, and United World College, as well as being featured on Civilnet, Public TV of Armenia, Repat Talks, Bell TV, and CBC Radio. Currently, her greatest interest lies in the trends of decentralization and the intersection of arts with social change. On this episode, we talk about why the trend of decentralization is so important. We talk about her mission to create quality and expansive content in a sea of attention-grabbing entertainment that hurts your brain. We talk about how entrepreneurs with impact can expand their reach with just one powerful visual, and how creative services can create work in rural areas. We're also going to do that by exploring the story of how she made Vanadzor her home and her path to social entrepreneurship. Listen into this episode because it's going to have some practical value for sure, but also we're going to hear a really interesting story, and I think that that is what makes this episode shareable. Right now, we are going to get into a whole bunch of different topics, and I'm really excited to have you. Sashka, thank you for coming on to Shareable.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to speak with you.
0: Thanks. So it's afternoon-ish my time and evening-ish your time. Uh, Thank Mm -hmm. you for making time in the evening. Hopefully I didn't interrupt dinner. My pleasure. No, it's Uh, nice and quiet. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, I guess to start out with, tell people kind of what you're up to right now to set the context for, uh, you know, I gave your introduction and covered some of the things, but kind of what's what's your deal right now? What are you really focused on and passionate about at the moment?
1: Yeah, so uh, as you mentioned, Creopia has been the absolute kind of dream manifestation of honestly a job that I wanted to create for myself. Um, essentially kind of being inspired so much by creative expression for me was a very, very large process and up until now of you know my career and being able to tap into ways that I can use my own understanding of creative expression to help others that turned into volunteer work, that turned into clients and of course, any other collaborations down the road. So with Creopia, it's been an amazing container to explore this on a much wider scale with a wider community. And essentially, as a social entrepreneur, um, it's been a fascinating puzzle for me to balance, you know, when I focus on clients and bringing in, you know, aligned people that we want to work with and create content for, and when I'm focusing on community development and social impact here in Von Ador, which is where we're based. Creopia exists, honestly, because the there is such an immense amount of untapped potential here in Armenia. Um, the town that I live in is a uh, post-Soviet post-Soviet industrial space that used to be supported by 36 chemical factories, which kept everybody employed. So when you drive in, you have this very stark visual of what looks like, you know, what maybe people in the West would perceive as Chernobyl. Um, But there's such a magic here because the kind of magnetic charge of the mountains makes everybody so much more creative and there's a very intense and active underground art scene here it's just that it has no access to the outside world um for any artist that wants to you know level up and get themselves exposed they do have to go to a capital city outside of Armenia, et cetera, the typical story of creative brain drain. So Creopia really exists with the goal of keeping talent here in Vanadzor because this is a fantastic place to live and people from here love this town. And if we can provide them an opportunity to imagine their own creative career um, in a community that is also doing the same thing here, this is what has become most exciting for me over the last few years. Creopia has been running for three years. Any idea of decentralization is very, very, you know, perked perked ears reaction from me um, because it just really gives the opportunity to allow access to everybody, to creative education, to to self-expression, and obviously a career that can support your family.
0: Oh, my God, there's so many different pathways I want to go down there. Um, so So you've, <laughs> you've just planted a number of different seeds for us to play with. I do want to spend a lot of our time today talking about decentralization, that concept as an idea and what it means and all the different facets of life mm. that it might play in. And I think it's going to uh, probably start by intersecting with the work that you're doing in creativity and the arts. So I actually want to start there with the creativity and the arts piece, because you said creativity, you mentioned it, but when people hear the word creativity, I think Mm. they're maybe not thinking of it in the same way that you're talking about it. When I, when I often say creativity, my expectation is that what people hear is like, oh, like painting and, um, Mm -hmm. like making arts and crafts and things like that. So, so it's, um, it's more of, um, arts and crafts sort of creativity mindset Mm -hmm. and, and, and that is sort of simplifying it a little too much probably, but I get the sense that when you're talking about unleashing creativity and utilizing creativity, it maybe has a slightly different meaning because you mentioned that you created the job that you always wanted and using creativity and self-expression, but, but to what ends, for what means, for, for the, what, what's the why underneath all of this that you're using creativity yeah. as sort of the vehicle to get there?
1: So yeah, this this fantastic word obviously has very wide implications. Um, when I say creativity generally, I, I do mean an all-encompassing sense of creativity. So that would include arts, crafts, painting, that would include digital creativity. Most of the work uh, within the context of Creopia, when I use the word creativity, it refers to video editing, animation, or graphic design. So those are the three kind of categories in which we provide services to our clients. We're primarily video editors, and then we do graphics and animation for mostly video editing projects. That, that come into the door. And the, the reason that creativity in Creobia's context is also focused on digital art is because that is what allows people to have the most kind of access to financial independence through doing online work, right? So when we think about Creobia being a space facilitating exploration of creativity, it's very much about also the tactile things. We'll have paint and draw workshops. We'll have choreography workshops to get into the body. We have yoga on a weekly basis, right? These are all the tactile creative ways that we can express ourselves, but our focus and also the way that Creobia is oriented as a business is towards the digital creativity. So all of our Adobe programs that we use to upgrade the skills of the people that come here, are a pathway to an opportunity to bring money into the door such that we're self-sustainable and that more people can, can benefit from our creative does. So, yeah, so those are kind of the, the different ways that creativity can be uh, yeah, perceived or looked up through a lens.
0: Got it. Okay. So uh, that leads me to the next point, which was about, you mentioned, um, you know, the, the area that you're in being somewhat, um, isolated or, or Mm -hmm. that you need to go to big cities really to get your wares and your art out there, which led me to, you know, think we're, you know, here we are, we're talking over zoom. We're talking over the internet. So it seemed to me that that would be a way that you could reach a wider audience outside of maybe just those major cities. So uh, talk a little bit about that. You mentioned kind of bringing in a living to your families and kind of like, you know, creating that as a, a pathway for commerce and for making a living. Um, oftentimes people see creativity more as self-expression rather than as uh, a means to maybe sustain your, your lifestyle. Mm-hmm, How mm-hmm. are you bringing all of those things together with the clients that you're working with? And it sounds to me like there's actually kind of like two sides here. There's the people that you're working with to unleash their creativity. And then there's mm-hmm. the people who may be supporting or, or buying from um, or, mm-hmm. or hiring you to help in this way. Can you explain a little bit more about that?
1: For sure. So on the kind of uh, clientele side of what Creopia does, um, our clients, of course, come from a very wide range of spheres and areas because we are on, on a on a remote kind of model of working. So most of the clients will come in the door either through my personal connections from being a video editor in Canada and the States. They'll come in through sites like Upwork or Hubstaff. They'll come in through different communities online that we're a part of. So I I'm of course part of many social entrepreneurship communities and because Creobia is a social business that exists for other social businesses our target clientele is other socially motivated activators in this world right so that's not necessarily people who call themselves social entrepreneurs although maybe I through my lens perceive them as social entrepreneurs but that's people that are doing business for good people that do you know business exclusively but are deeply connected with their community and mentoring so there are so many forms in which you know we can be active in the world in, a, in the sense of our career being deeply integrated with also improving the state of the world. So that casts quite a wide net, but when we kind of talk about the niche that we're going for, it is the social entrepreneurship bracket. And this is just a sphere that is that is growing astronomically, right? Like in Europe, in Canada, in the US, and in the most of the English speaking world, this is a topic that is gaining more and more momentum. And of course, it's a buzzword that you know can be... Um, taken advantage of or or misused in a lot of ways, but Despite you know the the negatives that come with something becoming a trend, I am of course overall extremely happy that social entrepreneurship is getting so much attention these days because because that's what we want to be serving as CreoPia. So okay, so I went a bit off on a tangent about the clients that we serve, but then who we serve in our local communities are young people who either had no creative skills to begin with when they came to CreoPia, or they already were doing photography or video or editing or something like that. They come to CreoPia, we have a conversation with them about what 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 how how they want to improve? Do they want to build a portfolio? Do they just want to understand if graphic design is even for them? If video editing is even for them? Are there are they here to find collaborators for projects that they already have in mind? Right. So everybody who comes to join Creopia, we kind of have this very free flow conversation that is never stagnant. Right. It's always editable, um, of how they can contribute to Creopia as well as how can Creopia can t- contribute to their growth. So we have had our office space, Criopia has been active for three years, but we've only had this office space since August. And since August, we've had about a group of seven to 10 people that have been coming and learning the adobe programs and over this time it's been absolutely incredible to see how they transform they turn into the teachers of the new people that come in and this kind of concept of peer-to-peer learning self-education in a very comfortable and safe space where they're unrushed um, is is what we do on a more local scale for for the people that come on a daily basis we have a lot of other projects that don't happen on a daily basis that are with grants or with partners or that are outside of or in, in rural villages but the core Core that we serve and the core why we exist um, is for the young people in Vanadzor that need space and, and room to develop their creative skills and all of our clients that you know we serve are fascinated by this idea they adore that you know their their work is going towards you know the education of somebody in, in Armenia so so that's been a very nice cycle that that feeds it and often clients will turn into a hybrid of a client mentor for Creopia they'll turn into a client a client investor hybrid, right? Like a lot of different different things come out of that when you're working with people who kind of have a same worldview perspective that business doesn't just have to be for money despite you know the reality of that necessity.
0: So where did this come from for you? Because so I'm familiar with the concept of social business. I've read Muhammad Yunus's book and mm-hmm. in general, the entire concept of business that has more than a bottom line. And is it really, it's not even the triple bottom line. It really is a business that is first and foremost in many ways, working on a social cause. So kind of two parts to this. One, what is it specifically that you think Creopia is doing that is the social aspect of it? I mean, I understand the peer-to-peer learning, but like, what's the, what's the, what are you after? What's the change that you're looking to affect? And then I guess related to that, if you could explain it in the context of like, what drew you to try and start a business like this rather than a business elsewhere? Because I have my reasons why I want my work to make a difference. And I'm I'm really curious to hear what prompted you to make the decision to start this kind of a business.
1: Mm-hmm. So back when i was at the university of mcgill the first video editing job that i got was for these four superb professors um, in the business faculty of mcgill the Hotel business faculty and they were developing an online course uh, i don't know if you've heard of a mooc the massive open online courses there's a large pro- yeah. platform called edx yeah so they were before prefer- uh, they were developing a course um, called social learning for social impact and they their concept was to make it into a group which was a group open online learning course. So this was a role that I stepped into straight out of high school where I was just oriented towards being a video editor. And I was going through the motions of just taking in feedback and purely also learning the program at the same time as a video editor. Up until I came to Armenia, I didn't realize how editing all that content really like sat deep back somewhere in my brain because they were talking about social entrepreneurship. They were talking about the concept of community work for development and and all of these ideas of decentralization. And I remember as I was editing that none of it was sticking, right? Like none of it was generating any other thoughts or ideas for me. Then when I came to volunteer here in Armenia, a lot of things happened for me. You know, I Tapped into an identity of mine that I was unfamiliar with. I just have the one Armenian grandfather, but coming here, you know, now the first thing I say about myself is that I'm Armenian. a lot of dominoes fell in the right direction for me in Armenia that allowed me to imagine myself as a founder. So one of those things is, right, just like on an elementary level, the cost of living here, right, the cost of opening a business here. If I wanted to do the same concept in Canada, it wouldn't have been feasible for me at this young of an age, right? So there's a lot of accessibility that was gifted to me when I decided to relocate to Armenia. And because I fell so deeply in love with this country, and, you know, specifically the town of Vanadzor. Uh, It's a slight obsession, but I appreciate it because I'm also obsessed with Creopia and I'm obsessed with proving the hypothesis of you can decentralize creative work, you can democratize access to resources everywhere, right, because we have all of the tools to do that, and so when I started thinking about a company really it didn't click until I met my co-founder. So my co-founder is Lucine, um, who is from, uh, from Von Vanadzor, from here. She's a peace builder by profession. So for the last 10 years, she's been doing peace building work, which is incredibly difficult work because may, uh, maybe if your audience isn't familiar, but Armenia, had war in 2020 with Azerbaijan. Um, you know, our borders have always been a conflict since the fall of the Soviet Union. There was also war in the 90s. So conflict is something that is very much within reach, very palpable. You know, every 18-year-old has to serve in the army. So because conflict is, you know, so visible here or so tangible, I would I would say, um, the, the kind of work of, of keeping people in this region has become very interesting, right? Because we have neighbors that want this population to dwindle as much as possible. And so if we are creating an environment where we believe in this place, where we know the magic that it holds, it's something that's very exciting because people need it, right? Because we have gone through so much kind of collective trauma that still hangs heavy in the air, which is also why creativity to me is such an important piece to democratize access to. Because if you think about the average learning environment of a person here in Von They don't really have free flow support for their own learning they don't get to decide what they learn right it's all kind of sovietly structured in terms of curriculum. The default you know teacher experience is quite a negative one, and so understanding that you know people, first of all, deserve access to these things that that were just a given to me with my upbringing, you know in Russia and Canada this kind of moment of clicking uh that happens honestly on a daily basis is what became such a drive for me and then once you know that that's that little shift that little spark that you're looking for in people you also meet clients that also appreciate that spark in other people and are somehow in their own way finding that spark through their own businesses right that then we get to create videos for and and you know full circle so so yeah a long-winded answer answer yet again but hopefully that covered it <laughs>
0: Well, I think uh, another thing that came up for me as you were saying that and just, you know, piecing together some of this, you know, you speak with like such passion and reverence about the, the, the place that you are right now and the people mm. that you've met and the work you're doing of, you know, video and video editing and, and capturing, whether it be, you know, capturing uh, video and images of the surroundings or of the people, you're, you're there by telling people stories who may not otherwise get to get their story out there and that ability to share those stories from, you know, from otherwise being hidden, you know, not told, is that it actually creates a connection between people from outside of where you are to the people mm-hmm. inside of where you are. Like I was, I remember right before we jumped on, I was watching some of your videos and I saw the video of the abstract artist and mm-hmm. um, that you had made. And, and you know, that's a person who had you not, sh- you know, uh, captured that video of that person, might be a complete unknown. But now there's a story that's out there about this person, there's an experience of watching them do their work. And I think that that's also such an important thing to do to just even just to be a witness and to share people's stories and share that perspective, uh, especially in a place that has had such a, a, you know, a troubled past, I guess I would say is Armenia. um, That's such an important thing to be doing. So it, it makes complete sense. I want to pivot to the, the word that you've used a number of times now, because it's a thing I really want us to spend um, really most of our time on from, from here, is this idea of decentralization. Um, decentralization is a really big conversation that's happening across a lot of different um, uh, avenues. I would say most prominently in the circles that I run in, decentralization is being talked about in the world of finance. So Mm -hmm. that is cryptocurrency. It is, you know, DAOs. It's uh, NFTs. Like all of these are decentralization ideas. And there's a there's a, a push for why that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. I want you to kind of frame what you mean and what you are saying about decentralization and why you think it's important. And I want to spend some time looking at both the the pros and the cons of decentralization Mm -hmm. and why you think it's so vital specifically to the work that you're doing. So let's start there. What do you mean when you say decentralization outside of the obvious? What does the word mean?
1: Right. I mean, there are just so many different angles from which you can approach this concept, right? Um,
0: let's start with yours. Honestly, though. Let, let's say, like, what yeah. you know, use. You, you I mean, even I have so stuff. many
1: angles. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So, so let's start with one of them.
1: Okay. So let's talk about the context of, of why Von Ador. Right, why this town in Armenia? It's actually the third largest city in Armenia, but it's basically just a big town. Um, the, the way because so Armenia is only a country of three million people, right? So this is also a big reason as to why I feel so comfortable in starting Creopia here, is because anything that happens in Armenia um, that is of a significant uh kind of uh, like a new enough idea, it will make ripple waves. And you can feel those waves ripple out very quickly because the country is so small so we have the capital city of Yerevan which is a thriving bustling metropolis that has studios and artists and and startups and tech and finance like everything that you can imagine right just a, a regular large city so most of the people that are from Vanadzor they will move to Yerevan for university and after that they'll stay there because that's where most of the job opportunities are so because all of the job opportunities are that are available in Von Azor aren't really, uh, what would the word be? Not, but okay, well, um, most of the jobs here are either agriculture, car mechanics food, you know, stores right there, there's not that diverse of an economic scene here. So when we talk about decentralization within the Armenian context, which is of course applicable to any other capital city versus non capital city, um, what becomes really exciting is knowing that as a developing country centers its attention on the capital city, a lot of the times the rural areas get forgotten. And so it feels like there's all of this progress happening because it's concentrated in the capital city. But if you look at the kind of regional map of the country, it's it's over-centralized, right? So what you have is young people that keep leaving their regions. And for this reason, what became so exciting for me to think about was getting people excited about Vanadzor in a way that when they come to Creopia, their first reaction is, oh, I can't believe this is in Vanadzor. Oh, like how long has this been here? Oh, are there other places like this in Vanadzor, right? This this kind of surprise that there are people that are investing into what Vanadzor's potential could be. And I love being in a place that feels like time travel, right? You can go for a walk for 15 to 20 minutes in Vanadzor and not have a single sign of you being in the 21st century right it's it's truly like walking through a film set of the soviet union and there's something very very magical and sad about that at the same time because you realize how far behind in terms of infrastructure and whatever else this place is and then you also realize how ma- magical it is for being frozen in time and so the gift that valandol has given me so much and why decentralization this okay another angle now so since, I mean, my childhood was in very large cities like Houston, Moscow, Toronto, Montreal, um, when I always considered myself a city person, right? Fast paced, loved it, thrived on it, very social, very active communicator, all that jazz. When I came to Von Azzor, what I realized why I needed this place so badly was to slow down. So essentially, living, living, decentralizing anything allows you to slow down with what you do. And the more you slow down, what, what's the what's the quote, the, the fastest way to achieve your goals is to go slow, right? That's funny. This My business is, coach said to me, slow down to
0: use your speed, uh, because I yes. move at a very high rate of speed. So you know, the idea of like slowing down, taking stock of where you're going, you know, fastest way to get anywhere is uh, slowly, I think is the, is the quote.
1: Yeah, it, it's a hard concept to grasp, but the more and more Von Ador has allowed me to practice it, the more I start to understand the truth of it, because in slowing down is when I am able to build momentum. And I always used to think that the fast pace of a large city is the momentum that I needed. But here, my mentality has really, really shifted around that. I've also found that when you slow down and I'm a very easily excitable person just in my nature, I'll like immediately Somebody has an idea. I'm like, yes, let's realize it immediately. You know, like let's make it all happen. I'll put my eggs in way too many baskets and all this jazz. But the the joy of slowing down and realizing that you don't actually have to rush to get anywhere is that then the right people magnetize. Magnetized towards you because the people that are in a rush are often um, people that aren't focused on the long-term vision, right? And something about social business that's very different from business is the the reward being long-term, right? We're so, so used also for me uh, coming from kind of a freelance um, zone of, you know, doing work solo and being rewarded for work solo. This had to be a shift for me that's also ongoing is realizing that to make long-term changes you have to be incredibly patient and keeping the vision there is is really like all that is necessary for that and von ador has gifted me that so yeah that's a, those are a few angles of decentralization that of course uh tap into each other, but I've learned so much about the rural context. Again, like the city versus rural contrast for me has been, yeah, a huge, huge learning curve that is completely ongoing.
0: I just want to point out one thing that I'm noticing about the way that you're speaking about it that I think is a a slightly different way that I've heard decentralization Mm. talked about is that typically when I hear decentralization, it's, kind of a zero sum game. It's an either or yeah. you're either centralized or you're decentralized. And there's a value judgment of good and bad. And what you're talking about is more of an acknowledgement of the benefits of decentralizing in a way. It almost to me sounds like non centralizing, like un uncentralizing sure. away from. So it's not necessarily that you're saying, um, that the Pareto principle doesn't exist and we won't still have more people in cities, but to say, there's a benefit to alternatives that live outside of that concentration. And we need mm-hmm. to be aware of what those things are and make those things more widely available. So it, the, even just the way you're talking about, it strikes me as being of a different tone and tenor than how I'm used to hearing decentralization talked about. So I just wanted to appreciate that in how you're talking about yeah. it. Um, I think, point. I think, there's also some some other interesting things worth unpacking and exploring in this idea of decentralization. So you're talking about job markets in a lot of ways. You're talking about, you know, there's mm-hmm. there's career opportunities here in the city. And what if we created some of those out mm-hmm. here in the more rural areas? What do you think are some of the other impacts that you're after or that you're foreseeing taking place if you're able to make some of mm-hmm. that shift do you see that maybe that by doing that it actually also returns some benefit towards the more centralized city locations by way of spreading things out a bit
1: yeah, I, I do. I do love this question, honestly, because um, the the ripple effects of somebody being financially sustained and comfortable in a place like this are, are huge, because when one person is financially independent here, um, it not only gives other people the imagination that they can be in the same kind of zone of security in this place but it also gives way to confidence for people to start their own businesses and this is something that's the most exciting thing for me because if you have an emerging an emerging economy that's not filled with new ideas um that's not filled with that kind of hope of the potential of oh I can build something myself then then it then it, I don't see right like where the movement would be and here in Armenia we have a big trend of diasporans coming back of young people connecting with their own ideas of starting a business that is extremely exciting to observe because especially at this time after the war you know these five to ten years that are coming up for Armenia I'm just fascinated by the speed at which the transition this transition is happening and this contrast that is you know so stark between the generations that I really feel has never there's never been such a large disconnect between generations as there is now Um, I think that also the positive impact for the larger cities is the opportunity for them to comfortably, you know, leave the city for a breather, right? I go into the city sometimes, and I realize that people have spent months without breathing like a clean breath of fresh air. And that sounds so elementary, right? On on a kind of day-to-day basis, but you realize that it opens so many doors for people to just have a little bit more space, to just have a little bit less buildings around them. And if people know that there is action happening in Van that other people are opening cafes and businesses, co-working spaces, that all of these things are happening here, then they know that they can take a day trip or a weekend trip to Valador where they can enjoy what's happening because there are people there that are enjoying life on a similar level to what they consider their city standard of living, right? And oftentimes, if you are able to be in a rural area with a large city income, you know, whatever that may be, um, your quality of life is higher by, by, by any measure, right? And I think that A lot of times when we think about entrepreneurship and the hustle and bustle of, you know, building something up, it's always with this kind of longer term vision of the big prize at the end of, okay, I'll have, you know, my pile of cash to sit on and that's when I'll rest. For me, it's been so important to watch that people enjoy the process of how they're building their career, because I think that this is the true liberation that comes from, using your business as a tool for good in the world, right? And and it's just exciting to see people start to think about that more and more as a possibility.
0: Um, I have a handful more questions to ask you and uh, we mm-hmm. are coming close to running out of time, but we still have some time left. So I'm gonna ask oh, you, so fast. Uh, I know it goes so fast, like especially Always. when you have <laughs> just like a good conversation. It's like, mm-hmm. it just happens so fast. But so I have a couple other questions for you because um, uh, one, I wanna talk to you about the the whole creative services and the whole creativity angle of things being in a more rural area versus being in a city you know mm-hmm. do you think that there's some and i think this ties into the other question i want to ask you which is about the benefits and drawbacks of this approach Mm -hmm. of spreading to more rural areas to bring creativity and creative services there, to bring more jobs there, to encourage people from the city to come to the rural areas. And then I'd imagine there's some benefit you'd you'd say for people in the rural areas to come towards city centers for both commerce and then also for just a change of pace. What would you say are sort of like the benefits and drawbacks of the uh, rural creative life? Like, are there certain Mm -hmm. things that you can't really get or or ways of thinking that you feel like are really hard to access when you're in the hustle and bustle of the day-to-day in a city that you may be able to get in the rural? And then at the same time, Mm -hmm. what are, what do you think are some of the things that people who are um, in the more rural areas that you're working with might be missing out if they didn't ever go towards a city center type place? Mm -hmm.
1: So, you know, this is a hard question for me to answer because I have significantly regular access to the hustle and bustle in large city life. I do go to Yerevan quite regularly. You know, I'll go back to the US and Canada to visit my parents and and, and my father in Russia and Moscow. So because of the um, default multiculturalism of my family, on a personal level, I don't think I will ever be able to understand what it actually means to live full time in a rural area. Yeah. That being said over the last 5 years one of the concerns that have has of course risen up for me is am i staying competitive uh, competitive enough are my skills developing fast enough as as maybe they would be in a fa- in a larger city. This, for me, is a question that really does come down to self-motivation because so often when we think about being creatively stimulated, uh, the formula or what have you for creative stimulation is always multiplied by however many factors when you have other people around you doing that. And so a city for that is is stellar, right? Right. If you're talking about decentralizing and creating little, you know, micro centers, microcosms of creatively active people, I don't believe that for the creative development of an an individual and Let's have that be for any kind of development of any individual. I don't believe that you need that circle to be larger than like a hundred people right because that's there's only so much input we can take as a human brain right So I think that in a city you also have this overwhelming um, access to choice that allows you if you are able to be conscious enough about it to really sift through what is for you. And then when you're in a smaller microcosm, you don't have as much choice but you have more creativity within those limitations so I think that a general model I mean not to be all like oh I love my life it's so amazing that I have this balance of city and rural experience but I really do wish that every person in the world had a gorgeous balance of city and rural experience and I don't think that's out of reach of reality of how we can build our lifestyles going forward right and and so the drawbacks that come from you know decentralization are are very much um Kind of uh, manageable to me with infrastructure, with uh, communication, with you know good roads or what have you into into main cities and stuff like that. Those are the things I see in my daily life that are the key missing links, right? And that's just just normal kind of symptoms of a, of a developing country.
0: Got it. Yeah, no, that all makes sense to me. And and cards on the table. I am like an unabashed 100% city dude. Like, um, I, I am uncomfortable in the suburbs. And when I go out to rural areas, I can appreciate it for a maximum of, say, three days, unless it's the mountains, and I have a <laughs> snowboard strapped to my feet, then I'm cool for like weeks on a night. different story. So, yeah. yeah, it's a totally different thing. <laughs> but um, but I, I really appreciate hearing perspectives like yours. Uh, it always does mm-hmm. call into question whether or not part of the reason why I am so that way is you know the the unwillingness to step away from the hustle and bustle or like mm. you know you just mentioned kind of the the um you know the the growth opportunities of being in a city versus being in a rural in my head the the disparity between those is so gigantic and mm. i think what what you're illustrating is maybe that the disparity isn't quite as large as it might be in my head in my head if you're not in a major city like you're just not around like the people like there's just you're such a concentration here that you have those random, mm. um, you know, chaotic moments of like learning something. You, you just you're exposed to things that you never would otherwise be. But I appreciate that if you have enough people who all mm-hmm. have one foot in, you know, other environments, and and you're all in a, a more rural environment, connected with one another you're still going to be exposed to a tremendous amount of things. And we have the internet. So like, it's funny because my there entire business is about, you know, so much about being on the internet and we're talking across time and geography. So it's obvious, <laughs> like, that's not necessarily a thing. So uh, I want to, yeah. I want to leave our listeners on kind of, um, you know, specifically because of the work you do, I'd like to leave our listeners on uh, with some sort of a, a thing to take away a thought to think about, about how they can utilize their positions, whatever business they're in, whatever, mm-hmm environment that they may live in about how they can think about utilizing the work that they're doing as a way of making a social impact, making a positive contribution in the world. And I know that your business is specifically focused on it. um, And I know that, you know, so much of what you're doing in terms of looking for partners is looking for businesses that are already open-minded to it. But if you could kind of deliver a message to anybody that's listening about how they might be able to think more broadly about their ability to make an impact, what would you say to them?
1: I would say, think of yourself and your business as a magnet. When we talk about, you know, the access to people on top in the large cities, regardless of you being in this city or not, if you're doing something interesting enough, the right people will magnetize you. And this is also something that I've learned through kind of committing to decentralization is that... If you are in a place where you are lacking anything, but you have a company with a mission, you can simply invite all the people that you wish were here to do a workshop. <laughs> you can simply invite them onto your podcast to have access to them. You can simply, you know, organize some sort of event that brings people to where you are. And you can do these things in a way that doesn't sway from your, from your work, right? It doesn't have to sway from, you know, it doesn't have to be flashy in any way i mean if we talk about you know the charisma of people or how people can captivate a room right these things happen of course better when you're in person which is why we thrive in a large city because we have more access to that in-person connection but if you can create something that has such a beautiful mission that you become a magnet for those people coming to you then the people that come to you are also the ones that are most committed to what you're doing to, to your idea and i think that if I could yeah if I could instill one message into the viewers it would be thinking of yourself as a magnet regardless of centralization or decentralization because when you have your work and your vision so aligned people want to be around that and people also have an understanding of how they can be more tapped into what they are actually out there doing and so yeah this concept of being a magnet for me is really really beautiful um it within the concept of uh within the frameworks of decentralization. And I do wish that more people would perceive themselves as magnets, you know, because we are so capable of that.
0: I appreciate that because it, it it is something that I bang the drum a lot for is, you know, authentically sharing what it is that you are genuinely interested in, care about, is important to you. And when you do that authentically, not some BS where you're pretending that it is where people will ultimately find out mm, you weren't really being real about that. Mm-hmm. But when you really share what you're about and you create a brand positioning around that, and that brand yeah. positioning is not a, a necessarily a, a contrived thought out thing, but it's more of like a, this is what this person is about. And therefore that's how I associate this idea with that person. Then all of a sudden, to your point, the people that sign on and say, yeah, I want to do mm-hmm. something with you. They're signing on because they're authentically interested in that thing that you said, I'm about that. And you know, I think so many people are scared they're scared to say like, here's what I'm really about. Here's what I'm, mm-hmm. here's the difference mm-hmm. I really want to make in the world. They don't want to be seen as like Pollyanna or, or utopian or anything like that. Yeah. And it's like, but you don't even have to, it doesn't have to be that over the top to say, this is a thing I care about. And when people then draw to you about it, you know that they're authentically interested in it. So I, yeah. I fully underscore and, and bold, you know, double underline what you just said. I, I think everybody should really try and dig deep and figure out what it is that they want to make an impact on. And make that a part of your work. And, you know, the the hope is, is that as you talk more about that, it'll resonate with certain people, and those people will be drawn towards you. So um, I'm all exactly. about the magnetism there. Yes. Uh, well, Sashka, it has been so awesome to have you on Shareable. I'm so happy that you set aside the time in your evening uh, to come and talk with me. I think the work you do is so interesting. I think you are so interesting. I'm so glad that we got connected. Um, do people a favor and let them know where they can go and learn more about you, where they can uh, hire you, where they can get involved in the work that you're doing. This is the part in the show where you can say whatever you want. You can unabashedly self-promote because you were so generous with the rest of your time here. Uh, So feel free to just let loose.
1: I appreciate it, Jeff. Thank you so much for your time. This has been such a pleasure. Um, If you want to connect with me further, uh, my personal website is avanyan.com. That's A-V-A-N-Y-A-N.com. Creopia is creopia.am. That's C-R-E-O-P-I-A.am. You can find us on all forms of social media, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube. Check out our videos on YouTube. We have a Creopia vlog that shares our experience as growing within a social entrepreneurship. And also you can see a little bit about what life looks like in Armenia. And anything that you have coming further down the line in terms of message that you want to be shared within a video context, please reach out to me on any of those platforms, and we can see how we can collaborate to get your message out there in a way that you know is authentic and, and true to you, in all of your social impact that, <laughs> that is out there spreading through this world. So yeah, thank you so much for your time, Jeff.
0: I want to thank my guest for coming on to Shareable to share their experience and their wisdom. And I want to thank you, our listeners, for coming back and giving us the gift of your attention. There are two questions that everyone asks themselves before sharing a piece of content. One, what does sharing this content say about me? And two, will my friends, peers, or colleagues enjoy it? Think about those questions, and if you like the answer, please consider sharing this episode on your social media or send it to someone you think would enjoy it. Remember that together, we can change the world. It starts with what we give our attention to, what we share, and spread— and what we collectively work toward. Now, more than ever, we need leaders who care, who work to build trust, and who stand for creating safety. I believe that is the key to creating a kinder, safer, and more equitable world. And if you ask me, that's an idea worth sharing. So between that and the generosity of my amazing guest, I guess the best way to describe this episode would be... shareable. So tell me, what was most valuable or useful for you in this episode? Send me a message using the link in the show notes. I'd love to hear from you. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe and rate the show five stars on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. Don't miss out on my other podcast, Becoming Superhuman, which is also available as an email newsletter. Get it all at jgibbard.com. If you're looking for a book to read, may I kindly suggest Belovable Leader, which covers how to build great teams with trust, respect, and kindness. Available online wherever books are sold. And finally, if you're interested in working with me, whether it's hiring me to speak or train your organization or strategic consulting and coaching, all of that information can be found at jgibbard.com. All links can be found at the bottom of the show notes. Stay safe, be kind, and please share this episode with someone who will enjoy it. Thanks for listening. This podcast is part of the Shareable Podcast Network. Learn more at shareable.fm.